You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. All right, well, welcome to this episode of Around the King's Table. Uh, Again, I'm Brian. And I'm George. And uh, we're going to be continuing uh, the prior episode where Mm -hmm. we spoke with one Johnny Touche. He's back with us. About all things local church, ministry in Uganda, biblical counseling, all these wonderful things. So here we go. Enjoy. So as you talk about biblical counseling and just pastoral ministry, soul care, as you survey the church scene in the United States today, what's your take on the state of pastoral ministry and soul care, mm-hmm. the care of souls? What do you what do you see in it's a, that's discouraging? What do you see that's encouraging? I, I, I tell you what I've been encouraged by is that I'm seeing, um, uh, you know, back in the 90s, early 90s, I... Um, there wasn't very many reformed people around, and now they're all over the place. And I mean that in a positive sense, in the sense that people been trained at the seminary, you know, they, they're not hyper-Calvinists. They're just going back to their Baptist roots, and they, they love expository preaching, the preaching of God's Word, not telling stories, but their commitments to the exposition <laughs> of God's Word. And so I'm seeing yeah. a health growing on that. Yeah. They've been exposed to biblical counseling at most yeah. of these seminaries. So I'm encouraged by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I see people getting serious about being elders. Um, folks mm-hmm. like, like y'all and, um, you know, and others. We're trying. We're, yeah. The aim is that. Well, that's the goal. Yeah. If, if, you have <laughs> the, if you have the desire. Yeah. I mean, most people aren't even asking these questions, Brian. That's the problem. Right. They don't even know that they're not in a healthy church. So like, give you an example, I'm talking to a pastor the other day that resigned and I said, hey, why don't you come over to Christ Fellowship, Cherry Dale? We're not perfect, but these elders are trying to care for people. The guy was real close to the Mm -hmm. church over there. Yeah. And um, he said, well, I'm gonna go to this church here. I said, no offense, you can go to that church. You can sit on a pew. God can use that guy because he's a faithful preacher of the word. Mm. But how much are they going to care for you and your mm. wife? Mm. You know, how much are they going to counsel you? How much fellowship are they going to be around you? How are they going to walk you through the issues of life yeah. and bring healing? Because right now you and your wife are broken. Mm. Okay. And but see, this is the problem. He's never been in a healthy church. So he thinks, you know, I'll just go to this church. He didn't even know. It's kind of like C.S. Lewis in his book. You know, where he says, you know, you offer a child to go to the beach one day, but he <laughs> refuses to come because he's playing with mud patties. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even know what right. it's like to have a day at the beach. Right. This poor soul, and I love this guy. Yeah. This poor soul doesn't know what he needs. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Right. And I. Which pastorally is immensely burdening. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, my heart is grieved for him because he, 
he's missing out on an opportunity of a lifetime to be actually shepherd, love, care for. Well, how much of that is is someone not again because they maybe they've been they've grown up or they've been discipled in unhealthy churches, and so their their view of what a church is or what a church should be or what a pastor is and what a pastor should be and what they are as a Christian and what they are should be as a member of a local church. Like all of that is skewed because they haven't been in a healthy church. They haven't been sitting under faithful expositional preaching and teaching of the word of God. Like how much of it is related to that? I think it's directly related to that. And I think that's why they don't know. Right. You know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. see, that's the problem. Most people don't even know. They think a healthy church is if we have a lot of people coming to church. Right. Yeah. That doesn't make a healthy church. Now, a preacher may be a great expositor or not, but the church may be growing. But this is a question. Are they making disciples? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or are they threatened when they see people with obvious spiritual gifting and that God is raising up, but instead they respond, oh, this person is threatening my job. It's going to make me change what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, my focus is. I've seen that. And most of the pastors, I'm not trying to be ugly in all area here, you know, it's about being a famous pastor Mm -hmm. where people know you because you're on TV or on the radio or you got a large number coming to you. You know, your, your, your primary way that you pastor a church is through the pulpit but during the week it's by being a figurehead right. as opposed to a shepherd it's like yeah. a ceo right. figurehead how you know whatever yeah. title you want to call it mm-hmm. and so they pastor from the pulpit yeah now i will say this there are some people that are exceptional good preachers mm-hmm. and they do a good job from the pulpit on that but this is the problem and please good, hear me exceptionally right. good orators or preachers is there a difference between... Okay. They, they're exceptionally good orators. Yeah, and yeah. this is the yeah. deal. This is what happens. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but sure. preaching on Sunday is not sufficient. Yeah. It's hugely important, but it's not sufficient. Mm. It will not make disciples. If that's all, if that, if that's it's just your, not supplemented if you don't have pastoral ministry. If that's your one bullet in yeah. your gun. Yeah. Because you, you, you're ultimately, make, we're, we're not just speakers. We're, we're modeling Christ. Christ. That's the problem. Yeah. See, so if all you're doing is <laughs> they see you in your pulpit. Character. Yeah. 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 Character you know, no yeah. offense. You can have some of the greatest preachers yeah. live like the devil at home. But mm-hmm. in front of everybody else, they look colder than now. Yeah. Right. Then you move down super convicting. That's challenging. It It is. is. Regardless of whether you're actually like the devil at home, but Yeah. But it is. It's challenging. And I always tell people when I'm counseling folks, you are your who you are at home. Yeah. That that junk you do in the pulpit, that that's not who you are. That's just a show. Because if you're one way in the pulpit and you're a different way at home, Mm -hmm. that's who you are. You know, my my question is always, uh, what would your wife say if I had her here by herself? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, what would she say about you? Is he a godly man at home? Mm. Does he love the Lord at home? Does he love his children? We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about the direction mm. of your life. Mm. You know, I tell people when I had the counseling ministry, they would come to me and I would say, hey, I want you to come sit underneath the word on Sunday. Yeah. Come to Sunday school because all Sunday school was only teaching. We didn't try to build relationships. We we had 
doctrinal teaching during Sunday school. And then we had worship. And then I would say, join a small group. That's where we build relationships. And then I'll counsel you. You know, and if I lead somebody to Christ, I give them 12 weeks that I walk them through how to mm. walk with Christ. But in that 12 weeks, I found another couple for them to partner with, mm. a small group to go to, encourage them to come to Sunday school, go to church. And um, and so that's, mm. well, that's why we need the church. The church is the discipling machine that God's called us to be if we're Amen. doing that. Yeah. And so yeah. as we walk with this person, uh, for the rest of their Christian life, as long as they stay with us, they're going to mature. They're going to grow. They're going to become the one who got discipled to becoming a discipler. That's all goal. And so I, where I would change what I've done in years past, this is where I made a little mistake. Um, it's really a big mistake, but I'm being nice to myself. <laughs> um, let me give you a prime example. Um, if I had a young guy, or maybe not a young guy, maybe a guy in his 30s, he's walking with the Lord, he loves the Lord, he's doing well. Mm. And I had somebody that just came to Christ. I would invest my time in the ones that just came to Christ where today, I'm not doing that. Okay. Today, what I do is I invest with people who, with a little bit of training, they can become a pastor. With a little bit of training, they can become a missionary uh, or a leader. And so what I'm doing is trying to invest in those people's lives to help them get, because then I just multiplied myself. And see, I wish... It's more delegation. Yeah. 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 So I wish I would have done a little more of that back at Mount Moriah. Yeah. I did do that in Uganda, and God blessed me for it. So, And you're seeking to do some of that. Not to get us off on a, uh, on a tangent, right. but you're seeking to do some of that at, is it Cherry Cherry Hill? Christ right? Fellowship. Right. I do that there, but also I have my private ministry, which is called Partner 1015. And so I'm doing it both places. I do it at Cherrydale because uh, Matt Rogers, he just very gracious me. He gave me a little part-time job to help me out. But he basically said, what you're going to do over here, just do it at Cherrydale. There's about 20 people trying to get to the mission field. So my job is to help them get there. But also, I got another eight or 10 I'm working with outside of Cherrydale trying to help them get to the mission field. Yeah. And so I'm investing my life in these young people who, with a little help by God's grace underneath the leadership of Mm. their church, will be able to go. Yeah. Well, yeah. Again, I think that's something that you... As long as I've known you, that's been characteristic of you. This desire to offer, to give biblical soul care. You know, that's been a major emphasis in, in your ministry, uh, which has, has been formative, very formative for me, I think. So, uh, okay, let me let me move us on here. Uh, if I can move us to Uganda for a moment, uh, talk to us about the decision as an older man. I didn't say elderly, but an older man. Uh, to transfer your life and ministry to a place overseas. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's similar in some ways, you know, we're talking about how you were converted when you were an older man, right? 30 is that I think typically when we think of missions, uh, going overseas, um, setting down your life there in a, in, a, in a foreign land, we think, oh, you probably need to do that when you're younger, you know, but you were how old when you? 55. 
55. Okay. So talk to us about what all went into that. Well, I mentioned earlier about the funeral of my friend. God used that to kind of spur me towards that. What I, what I found was when I went to Uganda, uh, my first trip, uh, I met a guy who was pastor in a church. He had 80 people in his church. Mm-hmm. He was a young guy. He looked like he was like 25. And I said, um, so tell me what you preach. He said, well, I don't own a Bible. I said, you don't own a Bible? So what do you preach? He said, well, I just listen to radio, whatever Benny says. That's what I say. I do. I said, Benny who? He said, Benny Hinn. I said, oh, my gosh. Please do not <laughs> preach what Benny Hinn says. And so I gave him my yeah. Bible, spent the next two hours walking him through the first chapters of John's gospel. Mm. I said, please just teach the gospel of John to your people and learn it for yourself. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. Yep. And so, and then I met a lady pastor, same thing, no Bible. She's got a church of a hundred people. I'm, what are you preaching? Whatever they say on the radio, that's what I'm preaching. I'm repeating. And uh, so I invited her over to Bible study that I was a Presbyterian brother. And she came over. And they're teaching on 1 Timothy 2 and 3? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> he, 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 was just, he was just preaching wow. the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and she was so moved. Mm. I preached that day and he preached. She mm. kept coming back. Mm. About three months later, she got saved because it was on Sunday afternoon mm. she would come. She, <laughs> she got saved, left being a pastorate. Yeah. Three years later, she still was sitting underneath that man's preaching, mm. growing in the Lord. Wow. And so she's a sister in the Lord now. But mm. that's what motivated me. Uh, I went to the seminary, the IMB seminary in Ginger. I went to a couple other schools. And so over the next two years, I just developed my relationship yeah. with these folks. And then I went back and started training pastors. Okay. But what happened was... Um, I tried to go around and find a good Baptist church. To be honest with you, there's probably two and um, maybe three in Kapala, the big city. Okay. Four million people. But the villages were awful. And so um, I realized, hey, we're going to have to develop a church as a model church so that we could show others. So I committed one year. I went to uh, Najigali. We planted a church there. Had We started with four elders. And these brothers have been elders in other churches. We came together. I taught. I preached every Sunday. They preached. One of them preached every Sunday, and they translated for me. We had Bible study during the week, did training. And, um, and so the Lord used that to develop that church. Out of that church, we went yeah. and planned another church. Out of that church, we planted another church. And now we have 13 churches that were planted. And wow. um, another 17. Are they church- all doing well? Yeah, they're all doing well in existence mm-hmm. now because we tried to plant a church with at least two elders. We shoot for three. And so we don't plant a church unless we have a few elders. Um, somebody is taking. So that a, takes a lot of training. Training, and that's right. what we've been doing. We just training right. pastors. Right. I think that's why the Lord has blessed all work is because we've started with leadership yeah. moving into a community that they pick, and they start doing evangelism and start the church. Yeah, the leadership is kind of like what you did in Boston. 
Mm. You, you already show up with your leadership team. Mm. You know, a lot of people say, go do evangelism and develop leadership. What I have found in Uganda, it takes years to develop leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so what we do is we try to find people that just need some training mm. and invest in them. And then out of the whole network, we start putting people together mm-hmm. that can work together. And then we send them out to a community. And so we've been very successful. We've we've had a couple of little bumps in the road, but all the churches are in existence and doing well. Yeah, and your focus with them has been expository preaching. Right. How much is biblical counseling and just pastoral pastoral shepherding? counseling? Yeah, they don't they don't really call it biblical counseling. They yeah. just call it pastoral counseling from yeah. the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the scriptures is is uh, you know is all source of all authority. Right. And so these guys, yeah. the way we kind we um, challenge the false teachers is just opening the Bible, hmm. and we're teaching. Of course, we have Muslims wherever we're at. We're out there evangelizing, hmm. doing biblical ministry, trying to uh, reach people for Christ, and, yeah. and then disciple them as all goal. Yeah. And are you bringing an ecclesiology? Like, at what point does understanding of the church? Because we've talked a lot even in this episode about the importance of having a healthy church or and, and underneath that is understanding a biblical understanding of ecclesiology, like how much of that is being imputed as well or imparted to uh, well, the guys that you're training. Yeah. It's part of all nine marks. Okay. Where you, yeah. we, we, we give all our pastors the nine marks book. Okay. Then we train usually three, four times a year. It's always one of the marks. Yeah. Now, we may cover multiple marks, but there's sometimes when we just spend three, four days on expository preaching, yeah. we may take a whole day on the church, you know, church leadership. Yeah. Uh, we've done church discipline. Church we've discipline. done every mark that's yeah. been in there. So like now, if you go there now, what you see is churches working through the process of having a membership. Yeah. They have never had that. Right, right. You know, their membership is you show up, you're a member. Right. You leave, you're still a member. Yeah. You know, right. it, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, right. but now we're having a process where people yeah. are working through and we're, we have a few churches doing that right now and they're working through that with the other churches. Which is so stabilizing for pastoral ministry yeah. to know, like, who are the, who's the flock? Who are the sheep? You know, right? Because the reality is, it's like um, my home church back in Louisiana. I went back to help them in September. They used to be at 350 when I joined the church 40 years ago. They're at 25 people in a sanctuary that's 600. Hmm. And um, but they had 1,200 on roll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I sat down with the deacons, I said, yeah. "Listen, I love you guys. Y'all are great guys." I said, but I wouldn't even come here as a pastor. Any decent pastor is not going to come here. They said, why not? I said, because in Hebrews it says we have to give an answer for everyone that's mm-hmm. a church member. Yeah. I said, you got 1,200 people and you got 25 people in the congregation. So two months later, we took a vote, unanimous vote, wiped out 1,200 people off the roll. <laughs> they got about 7,500 people left Half on the Half of vote. them are going to be with the Lord. Most of them, <laughs> yeah. or moved to a different city, or whatever. Right. I mean, yeah. just for because right. you know, Baptist churches back when, 
yeah. used to send for your letter, but most people don't even do yeah. that anymore. Yeah. And so they never were taken off the roll. Right. I, I think we're discovering, you know, that even a lot of Baptist churches today are not Baptistic in right. practice when right. it comes to church membership and all these things. You know, this is part of a big discussion that I've had recently with one of my pastors. And he, I think he nailed it. He said, brother, the problem with the local association now is back when we first formed this in 1865 or whenever, these associations came along. We theologically were in the ballpark together, mm. but we were practically in the ballpark together. Mm. We did church kind of the same way. Mm. Yeah. He said, all convention now, because we've grown to such a size, and it's you, you have a Rick Warren and Al Moeller in the same convention who do not agree on what the church is, what the church is supposed to be, and how the church is supposed to function. So that's it. You know, that's a, a, a big picture of mm-hmm. what's happening in our local body. And so you have churches, you know, putting stuff on the billboard about sex and all kind of stuff and doing all kind of man-centered things to try to drive people into the church. And then you have folks like y'all trying to be biblical in what you're doing. And, mm-hmm. and you know, there's just... I'm not trying to be ugly, but there's really no partnership. Now, we may be the same local association, but it's not a partnership, Mm. you know, Mm. and that's what we need. We need to get back to our roots. We need to quit doing. And I know a lot of people say, well, Brother Johnny, you're very narrow. I think I think I'm open to the Baptist faith and message. I think if we all agree on that practically and, and support that. But I do think we need to get away from these these churches that are really, they're not Baptistic. They're not, they, they don't look at church the same as, as the Baptist people look at church. I'm an old Baptist, just <laughs> to be honest with you. So I, I just think we'd be better with less. You know, historic, of, historic yeah, Baptist. Right, thank you, historic Baptist, exact word. Yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of people lamenting You know, how many churches have left SBC? I wish half of them would leave. I mean, I'm just being honest because I think we'd be a lot more effective if we were working together as a team instead of against each other. And I feel like a lot of times we're doing that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, last last question for you here. Uh, So what would you say to to older Christians, uh, all Christians, really, about just finishing the race running it all the way through, staying ready, not settling, right? Staying ready to go and do whatever the Lord wants, whenever he wants. Mm. I'm a closing word here. Mm. I I would say I'm at the funeral today of a 43-year-old man. Yeah. Died of a heart attack 4.30 in the morning last Saturday. Never had any indication he had a heart problem. Two years ago, I had a massive widowmaker in Uganda, but the Lord ordained me to be here. They tried to kill me. They just couldn't do it. I mean, they did. But what the, was it? Uh, widowmaker. I had a massive oh. heart attack in Uganda, and the, and the hospitals okay. didn't even work on me for eight hours. Uh, you? Yeah. 
I so, think I knew that. Yeah, my heart doctor told me, he said, I, I can't explain you being here except God ordained you to be here. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not supposed to be here, yeah. to be honest with you. And, um, and you would think after that, I'd be trying to slow down. But that's not the Lord's intent. You know, right. I want to be like Paul. I'm thinking about what's the next frontier to reach for Christ and his kingdom. Yeah. And we need to quit making excuses about, and I'm not trying to be ugly, so please, if you're listening to this, don't take it. <laughs> don't, don't buy into the yeah. American lie. Mm-hmm. Don't live for the picket fences. Don't live for the American dream. Live for the glory of Christ. God wants to do. Man, if you knew me, you'd go, he's not very impressive. (laughs) But my God is. Hmm. You know, I I have people, I can take you right now. I I got brothers right now, I could take you in Louisiana. And they would tell you, Johnny Touche, he's not the smartest guy around. And he's definitely not the best preacher. But you know what? That brother believes. When he has the will of the Lord, he believes and he steps out in it by faith. Hmm. That's what we need. We need more people to live uh, following Christ by faith. We don't need to play it safe. We got one life to live. We need to live it for the Lord's glory. Now, we don't need to be foolish. You need to work underneath your church leadership because a lot of people can say, well, I'm called by God. And the truth of the matter is they're not called by God because you talk to their pastors and they're not, you know, they don't think it's great. What I would say to you is work with your leadership, mm. but make yourself available to God. Mm. Uh, send your best from the church, not your worst. Mm. Look for other people, pastors who are really qualified, who maybe or 55, 60 years old, have something to offer. Hmm. You know, I uh, it's like one pastor told me recently who's a supporter of Uganda. He said, brother, he said, I don't believe in the gift of apostleship. He said, but you've been doing the work of apostle. You have a network of churches that wasn't there in Uganda. And see, this is the great thing. It's not me. Hmm. It's God. Yeah. I just made myself available. Yeah. You make yourself available to God. Right. That's so helpful, brother. Um, Especially, I mean, in particular, just the last little phrasing there of just making yourself available. Uh, I think that that really should be uh, at the heart of every believer um, is just a readiness, right? Shoes of readiness. Is that what it is? Watching Uh, and waiting. Chapter six. That's right. And uh, yes, and just making ourselves available. I think beginning in the local church, Right. Um, Absolutely. A lot of people, all folks are not making themselves available to the local church, but then they're like, well, I want to make myself available to the mission field. (laughs) And and this is the the training ground is is in the context of the local church. Don't wait until the whole situation is perfect. And yeah, I had a brother approach me the other day. He thought I was a sending agency. And he said, hey, he said, I'd like you to send me. I said, brother, I don't send. I said, we assist the local church. Where are you going to church at? Well, I'm not really in the church. Yeah, I said, yeah. brother, you need to go find a church uh, and be yeah. faithful for at least a few years, yep. yeah. and let that leadership decide whether or not you're qualified to go to mm, the mission yeah, field. Yeah, yeah. Amen. The yeah. local church is God's sending agency, not the IMB. Yep. Mm. Not global. Not nobody else. Mm. It's His church. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a good place to end. That's a good end. Yep. Thanks, brother, for being Thank with you, us. Bro. We're so thankful for you and for the work that you've been doing for the last 20 years, 20, 30 years, 28 years to be exact, I guess, yeah. is what it is. Uh, you've been uh, a major influence in my life uh, for the glory of Christ. And so I'm, I'm super thankful to the Lord for you. Yeah. All right. 